When I was in high school, I asked my history teacher, I said, why bitch. is communism a bad thing? No, I love him. I said, because bitch. it's not capitalist, Megan. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. So I love my junior year history teacher, and I asked him when we were learning about this, I said, why is communism such a bad thing? And he looked at me and couldn't give me an answer. Because it's not capitalist, Megan. Are you the communist pig? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fast Past the History Podcast in close to 30 minutes or less. As always, I'm Megan. I'm Jason. Oh, and I'm a communist. You are a communist? Hmm. Oh, was I not supposed to say that here? I thought that was our bit. Hmm. I mean, I kind of am. I would think more of a democratic socialist, but... Hmm. Now you got to introduce yourself. I'm Jason, and now I'm very uh, suspicious of Megan existing here. What are you going to do about it? Take me to Whack? Whack. <laughs> Anyways, um, we are here with a special guest who is going to lead us through this episode, Trevor. Trevor is a history student at a college, which is online now. So is everything University of Phoenix? Yes. So you guys like, should know Trevor because he's been here before. And if you don't like, know, he's like a, two times I've yeah, been here. If you don't know that he's a history student, you're a big old dummy head. Yeah, he's also my little brother. And he's following along my footsteps, crying emoji, being a history major. But he's also a kick-ass teacher, and today he's going to kick-assedly teach us about some cool shit. Yeah. Hello, everybody. So today we're going to talk about the only topic that I seem to actually enjoy for some reason, uh, the second <laughs> red scare. Hmm, so Cleopatra wasn't a good episode for you? Oh, uh, so neither was Equality and Equal Early America or something? Listen, we already clarified that I was forced to do that episode. <laughs> that was very well researched. I didn't, that doesn't mean I like it. Hmm. Fair. Understood. So anyway, for some reason, the second Red Scare really stuck with me. Now, there have actually been two Red Scares in the past, as you can tell by the, the second Red, red Scare. Oh, There's word, two of word. them, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like New Jersey. There was an old Jersey. Was there? Yes. Like in New York, there was like, an old York. Like the shirt? That was the old Jersey? Hey, oh. So anyway. <laughs> okay. So the first one was from 1970 to 1920. 70. Seven, 17, sorry, 17. I was going to say, you went back in time there. <laughs> 1917 to 1920. Got it. And the second one was in the 1940s and 50s. Mm. So today we're going to talk about the second Red Scare, because nothing really happened in the first one, except for some anarchist bombings, but, like, that's not as interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, I beg to differ on that one. Yeah. I guess that might have to be a future podcast episode. Not hosted by me, because that's not my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So... This all takes place. Gonna set the story. Set Cold War. Got There's it. a fight between communists and communism and democracy. Okay. There was a fear that America is going to be infiltrated by communism and that would kill America. Something like that. So, who was communism? Joseph Stalin. Oh, you like, mean the like, countries? Yeah. Who was communism? All right. Right now, Russia, okay. Cuba, mm -hmm. China. Uh -huh. You know, pretty much anything that wasn't inherently too democratic. Like America was like, you seem suspiciously not full-heartedly democratic you must be communist you're either with us or you're against us so, Got it. A so lot what of so what is a cold war a cold war is pretty much something that no combat is happening in so like let's hmm. say you and me are fighting yes with words or with like like underhanded things like i may like leave your coffee out so it's cold when you drink and you're like uh why is this coffee cold it gets under your skin you're like okay i'm gonna retaliate by doing something like so it's a war of passive aggression social distancing war it's a social distancing war that's a great way of putting it it's Wash a, your it's, hands. It is. It's the most <laughs> passive-aggressive thing, but also it's always at the point, like the apex. Like, you're always about to start a war. Like Got it. It's like, I have left your coffee, made your coffee cold, like, one too many times, and this one last time could be 
a nuclear holocaust, let's say. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> because of coffee? Because the Cold War was essentially that. It was like... It was cold coffee it was turning into nuclear revolution. And it could have been a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, Got but it. the Cold War happened really between Russia and the United States, and eventually Cuba was involved in that. Mm. So why do we hate communism? Because we don't like the color red, even well, though it's in our flag. Well, oh my Are God. we communists? <laughs> yeah. Are we? I mean... Okay, so, <laughs> well, firstly, because um, it is everything that democracy and capitalism isn't. It is a system where the government cares for its people and they're all inherently equal. What's that like? I don't um, know. There have been several communist-leaning literature, such as Utopia by Thomas More and the Communist Manifesto, which was written by Karl Marx. Hey. Of course, Karl Marx is a communist. Wait, the Communist Manifesto is communist-leaning? What? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> now... It finally came to fruition as a form of government in 1929 in Russia by Joseph Stalin. Now, Lenin had started to lean, but it was really Stalin that brought it home. So, yeah, we were going through the Great Depression in America. Um, they were making this cool form of government over there. Now, why did they hate it? Why well, did we hate it? Well, clearly because it isn't capitalist. Because capitalism is clearly the most successful form of government. Now, how was that dangerous to democracy and capitalism money. by not being capitalism. Money. Well, you see, through all like the, the talks and propaganda of that time, they had no real reason besides it isn't us, so we're scared of it, and it's bad. Oh, Great. I thought it was because of the money spread, but I guess it's just because we don't like change. We don't like change. Hmm. Definitely not. Now, I quickly want to state here that there has never been a pure communist form of government, ever. Not Stalin, not Mussolini, not anyone. So it always turned into fascism because it's tainted by human greed and human power. Yes. Lust. Communism so, is supposed to be like this perfect thing, but like whenever you have something perfect, there's always the human error that will screw everything up. Yes. So Stalin, Nikita Khrushchev, Mao Zedong, Fidel Castro, King, Kim Jong-il, yeah. and Ho Chi Minh, they were all communist, but actually they were fascist because... They were tainted by their own human greed and power lust and became fascists. So don't look at them as communists. Look at them as fascists. Let's move on. So there are a couple of laws that are actually passed that were leading up to the Second Red Scare. The first was in 1938, which was the Hatch Act, which made being a member of the Communist Party grounds for refusal for federal employment. Mm. This would have been understandable if this was passed during the Red Scare, but this was actually passed between the two Red Scares. So... There were a few people that this would apply to that you might know, like uh, Charlie Chaplin or Arthur Miller. So they might not have been communists, but if they were accused, yeah, it wouldn't work. Now, there was another major law that was the Smith Act of 1940. Go ahead. Which made it illegal to teach or advocate for overthrowing the government by force. So there's a literally a line in the Constitution that says you can overthrow the government if it doesn't work for you. See, this whole misleading people for your own personal agenda sounds a little fascist to me. I was going to say communist, but in reality, a little fascist to me. Hmm. Hmm. Now, the main man, the big, the the big, big person, cheese. the big cheese during this whole <laughs> second honcho? red scare. The big cheese, the head honcho, the main man. <laughs> the man who made this one million trillion big number times worse was a man... Was, was a man named Joseph McCarthy. Joseph McCarthy was a senator from Wisconsin. Junior senator. He was a junior senator. Sorry, correction. Junior senator Joseph McCarthy. Now, what exactly is a junior senator? A nerd. 
essentially. They were, <laughs> they were like, hey, if the senator calls out sick, you can go vote for them. Besides that, you have, like, no purpose. So you're telling me that he was, like, sitting in Congress if his senator was out, literally just waiting for a phone call or a text message saying, hey, this is how you're going to vote, and uh, don't stray from the vote. Essentially, yeah, that's that was his whole purpose. So he's literally just the phone-in guy. <laughs> yeah. He's the understudy. He's the understudy uh, for the senator. Got it. So McCarthy began to make claims that he had a list of every single person who was a communist that was in the government. Huh. He was going to root out all of the communists within the government. Got it. So to root out these communists, he created the House of Un-American Activities Committee, or Whack. 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 <laughs> Now, Whack, Whack lasted from 1945 to 1975. 1975? Goddamn. Even though the Red Scare ended in the 50s, the committee wasn't actually closed until about 20 years later. That's so wild. So you're telling me, they were like, hey guys, we should close Whack. There's, there's no more communism. That sounds pretty communist to me. Unless. <laughs> Unless. But no, this is interesting because um, I had primary source letters that were written to this senator during the 1960s, and they were literally like, I need my guns. I'm, I'm in New Jersey. Why am I giving a dialect to this? Oh, they were like, <laughs> this is a New Jersey senator. They were like, I need my guns because if you take away my guns, I can't fight the communists when they come here. And I was like, communists? Come I here. mean, like, yeah, come here. And I was like, okay, like, we're technically in the middle of, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis, but, like, Look, wasn't no that one wants to come to Jersey. Handled? If you just look at it that way, no one wants to come to Jersey. I was going to fight you on that. Everyone goes to New York. And they don't I come to New Jersey. Yeah. So anyway, so anyways, quack. So quack, they uh, investigated everybody from like the highest up people all the way down to the janitors who worked in the offices. And all these investigations were, guess what, led by McCarthy. Mm. So he's, he's attacking the janitors because they have more power than him. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, essentially, yeah. Mm. Yeah, his position really sucked. I guess so. Uh, so uh, now McCarthy, <laughs> he went for everybody, especially the higher ups in the government. And this caused some historians to believe that maybe all these investigations were just a ploy for power. So he seemed like the hero for rooting out all the communists, and yeah. now there are new positions that need to be occupied. Let me get rid of those uh, communist janitors. I want that job next. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be better than a junior senator. But Thanks. isn't that isn't that convenient, <laughs> though? Isn't that convenient? He's like, hmm, this is a land of opportunity, and here he is making, making an opportunity. opportunity for himself. <laughs> That sounds very capitalist to me. Uh, <laughs> so the most interesting interesting part of McCarthy was that he always claimed that he had this list of communist members, but he would never show the list. The other thing was that he would never testify under oath. One man once said, nobody in the Senate knows more about how to avoid testifying than that junior senator from Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin. 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 <laughs> Somehow, no one saw this to be suspicious at all that the man who claims he knows every communist and has a list but isn't willing to testify or show the list. Sounds a little <laughs> suspicious to me. It's like saying, hey, I have the cure for corona, but I'm not going to tell you and I won't testify under it. That's very I just topical. have it. That is awesome. There you go. Yeah. Very no, no, topical. No, it's like, it's like the guy who, who is running the, his uh, church during the coronavirus and he is literally saying i have these machines that are going to kill the virus yeah. and just shoot it out of the air i have 13 of them if you walk in here with the virus you're going to walk out clean i promise you that just so that people will just listen to him and like go to his church so he can make money 
So throughout these trials, 308 people were deemed a security risk and kicked out of the government and countless more had to go to the trials and defend themselves and say, nice. no, I really am a capitalist. Let me show you. Goddamn. So anyway, some were even accused of being spies for the communists. Be Most like notable being Ethel and Julius Rosenberg, mm. who were a couple accused mm. Keep going. <laughs> who were a couple accused of being communist spies. She just they were sent really to death nuggets. row and were executed. It's like they found out that they weren't actually spies and basically had no association with the communist party. Now if we remember, if we think back to our Manhattan Project episode, Shameless Plug, it's episode six, go listen to it. Let's let's do a little bubble. Let's we're going back L- in time. Little flashback. Where, where it's like the little, like, harp noises. Oh, there we go. Harp <laughs> noises. <laughs> go ahead, Jason. We're really good at harp noises. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during the building of the bombs, a man named Klaus Fuchs, who was part of the British delegation, met a man named Harry Gold, who was a Soviet agent. Fuchs was described as a quiet, withdrawn man who left no impact with his colleagues. Fuchs used the information he gained and fed it to Mr. Gold, who then took the information about the project to the Soviet Union. Fuchs' deceit was discovered in 1949, and he was arrested in 1950. Oh, snap. So then he decided to rat out Harry Gold, who was also arrested. Locked up. Now, here comes the domino effect of accusing communism, communism, Knock communism. him down. Gold outed David Greenglass, who was an army officer who helped with the Manhattan Project, and after getting caught, um, he revealed another Soviet agent. Yes, you. And so he pointed his finger at his sister, Ethel. Oh, damn. So Ethel was married to Julius. The oh, Rosenbergs. No. Oh, God. I thought you said you were going to stop doing the commentary. I know, but I just wanted to be a hype man again. Okay. These were the only two people executed for their part in communism during the Second Red Scare, and it's awful because Julius and, and Ethel were never really confirmed to be communist. They oh. were all arrested, like including Greenglass's wife, Ruth. Yes. Because like, Ruth was apparently aiding in the espionage because apparently she made copies of her husband's notes before passing them off to somebody else. So David outed his sister and her husband in order to try and protect his wife so that her charges would be dropped. And yeah, these two people who were executed were not found to be communists at all, and that was one of the turning points in the Second Red Scare. Now, there was another group affected by these trials. Oh, and wait, we have to undo the harps. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, so there, <laughs> so there was another group affected by these trials and the fear of the Second Red Scare, and they were the actors and directors of Hollywood. <gasps> they were known, oh, these no. most noble were the Hollywood Ten or the Hollywood Nine, depending on which source. They were either nine or ten of them. <laughs> now, there's a reason for this. Hold, hold on. <laughs> Now, there are 10 screenwriters who spoke out against the government's action, reaction to the Red Scare. Uh, these 10 who spoke out against the government were then thrown in prison for a year and charged a $1,000 fine. Now, the Hollywood 10 became the Hollywood 9 when... Oh, geez, how do you pronounce Edward... Dimtrick? Edward Dimtrick. We're going to go with that. D- D-M-Y-T-R-Y-K. Dimitrick? Sure. I don't fucking Edward Dimitrick. Sure. You can look him up. Uh, he... Uh, while he was in prison, he decided to accuse 20 other members of Hollywood of being communists, so then he could try and help lessen his sentence. It was a year! It was a, yes! <laughs> Look, they're well, Hollywood screenwriters. Their cushy lives don't want to deal with a day in prison. Mm-hmm. Listen, he still had to suffer through the year, but after he got out of jail, he was then allowed to continue writing for Hollywood, while Bitch. the other people were still blacklisted, until Spazzle. it eventually ended in the 1960s. Now, the full list of the Hollywood 10 was Alva Bessie, Herbert Biberman, Lester Cole, Edward. <laughs> of course, this is the yeah, one dude who decides go to go it. against. Go ahead. We already said this name, but Dimetric? go ahead. Sure. It was, yeah. They're just going to keep changing. It? What was it? 
Doesn't matter. It's fine. It doesn't matter at this point. It's okay. okay. Why did he have to be the person to go and, Ring you know? Lard- <laughs> Ring Lardner Jr., John Howard Lawson, Albert Maltz, Samuel Arnitz, Adrian Scott, and Dalton Trumbo. Oh, you mean our president, Dalton Trumbo? <laughs> oh, man, I love that man. 10 out of 10. Oh, you love the president? Yeah, Dalton Trumbo. I love Dalton Trumbo. I love Dalton Trumbo. You I'd vote, a whole I, movie about him. I'd vote for Dalton Trumbo. <laughs> and Charlie Chaplin was actually accused of being a communist and exiled from the United States of America for fear of him actually being a communist. He was a huge actor in Hollywood at this time, and actually his film The Great Dictator had an ending that was seen as too communist, so they waited until after the war was over to release that content. Anyway, he moved to Switzerland and stayed there until he died. An American icon become an American icon. Icon. Wow. <laughs> an American icon becomes an un-American icon. How, a whack. A whack. It becomes an un-American whack. So the American idol got whacked and now he's in Switzerland. <laughs> till he died. That's just so sad. Oh, he got whacked till he died. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, towards the end of these trials, McCarthy began to not really care what actually happened. At this point, he had become like a super popular he celebrity. God. Essentially, <laughs> he became an American god. And so he became, began to, you know, not pay attention during the trials and start having side conversations. One time, he even walked out mid-trial because he had a lunch date and found that to be one, more important than what was considered at the time as saving America from communists. So the leader of this witch hunt left for lunch mm-hmm. instead of you know, following through on what he started. Yeah. Clean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he at this point, he was, just, like, basically too much of a respected hero that it didn't matter what he did. Everybody already respected this man. He was already, like, thebomb.com. You couldn't touch him. So this whole, like, him being the bomb.com, it started to come to an end during one trial when McCarthy, uh, when he decided to go after the army of all people. What That's the right. Fuck? The entirety of the army, not not just like a member of the army, the, the entire army. army. What the fuck? Because that seems like it'll work out. Well, you gotta keep on going bigger and bigger before your whole thing falls down. Oh, means- so you know, first is government, first is the janitors, then it's the higher ups, and then it's the entire <laughs> army. Maybe you want their the, position he, too. <laughs> he wants to be the general, the janitor, and the president. <laughs> what the fuck? So McCarthy decided to accuse Mr. Fisher of being a communist. Who was Mr. Fisher? Well, he was a young lawyer who worked for Mr. Welsh. Who was Mr. Welsh? Well, Mr. Welsh was a law firm who kind of dealt with the legal side of the army trial. Got it. So McCarthy wanted Welsh to fire Fisher because he was handling sensitive documents, and McCarthy said, hey, that man's a communist. Oh, my God. Mr. Welsh proceeded to roast McCarthy. Nice. (laughs) Welsh said things such as, until this moment, Senator, I never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. And have you no sense of decency, sir, at long last? Rip. Now, cool thing is, because we have physical audio from this trial, which is a primary source, let's listen to some roasts. Until this moment, Senator, I think I never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. If it were in my power to forgive you for your reckless cruelty, I would do so. I like to think I'm a gentleman, but your forgiveness will have to come from someone other than me. Mr. Chairman, 
He was just bathing. He hasn't bathing. Senator, may we not drop this? Let us not assassinate this lad further, Senator. You've done enough. Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? Oh. That's a nice roast. I smell it. It burning. It's oh no, crispy. It's, it's crispy. Oh god, it's overboard. Oh no, take it out, take it out now. Oh god, oh god, no. Is the bit over yet? Yeah. yeah. Okay, the bit's okay, over. Okay, cool. So well, that was a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to bed now. I peaked today. <laughs> that was peak humor. So uh, these trials were all recorded down. and shown on TV. And when the public and when the public saw the trial with Fisher and Welsh. The public began to lose faith in the junior senator, and thus began the end of McCarthyism and the Second Red Scare. After the whole debacle and McCarthyism came to an end, um, McCarthy was preparing, was, uh, his life was coming to an end because he decided <laughs> to, uh, he realized and recognized the fact that his life was falling apart. So he turned to drink and became an alcoholic, and the alcoholism was destroying his life, and he died at the age of 48. Canceled. Can we cancel McCarthy? <laughs> Too late. Canceled. Cancel culture. Boom. McCarthy, you've been canceled by FastPass. I think you're dead, but you're still canceled. No, he he dead as he fuck. Better be dead. I mean, yeah. If he's not dead, dead now to me emotionally. Now, now we're oh, right. Uh, and the rest is history. Now, <laughs> before we move on to our little outro, I quickly want to mention here the important part that TV played in history because, as we just saw here, it really turned the path on what things could go. It was public opinion, and it was televised in real time, so they could come and make their own decisions for themselves. Now, this was also a big deal TV during the election of JFK and Nixon, because prior to that election, people had only heard the presidents over the radio. But seeing them in person debating for the first time, America realized how attractive JFK was and how kind of ugly Richard Nixon was and people are saying <laughs> and Ouch. people say that the whole reason that JFK won the election was because they wanted an attractive looking president. Another uh, instance in where TV played an important role in history is actually in the Vietnam War. It was essentially the turning point for America's support, Americans support of the war. There was this one clip that was televised. It was a live broadcast of the war. I don't know why the hell you'd be like, let's live broadcast the war. But they had pulled someone who was a suspected Viet Cong, and he had no trial or whatever. They basically said on TV, like, oh, he's suspected, and someone shot him in the head. And then people started to be like, I thought we were a country of liberty and justice. How could we do this and be so unjust? What so, happened to uh, innocent but until proven guilty? Exactly. So TV has played such an important role in shaping the history of America because it has given the public their own opportunity to make decisions for themselves and infer conclusions, not just taking it from... Uh, what are they called? Journalists or, or media. Mm -hmm. So that, I just wanted to put that out there because it'll probably come up many more times in the future. Yeah. So <laughs> what have we learned here? So what have we learned here, folks? Alcoholism is bad. And don't lie to the public. That too. So thank you guys for tuning in for this episode. Thank you so much, Trevor, for writing and researching this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for following along in our month of you know, taking a, a closer look at American history and pointing out the flaws in it because we should be able to criticize our own history and our own government and therefore make a stronger, better history in the future. Yeah, because those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. As we've seen several times on this podcast. So if you want to request future episodes from us, you can either email us at fastpasspodcast at gmail.com mm -hmm. or you can, whoa, DM me on Twitter at fastpast one 
and uh, request episodes from there. You can request episodes not to be a sugar daddy. Please I've got one you. of those requests, and um, don't please stop. Uh, we're a history podcast. I don't. There's no pictures of us. Yeah, dude, like chill. <laughs> it's the memes. They want the memes. The memes. Um, if you also want the sources for this episode, you can contact us either one of those ways, and we will give them to you. Yeah, yeah. So until next time, bye bye, and wash your hands. You dirty goblin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta Bring throw in the dirty goblin. Uh. <laughs>